0: Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, yesterday the city lost an important news source, or it threatened to, as some writers joined the folks in distribution already on strike at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now it's not clear whether the paper's owner, the Block family, will address their concerns, but the last time there was a strike like this, a major newspaper shut down. Media columnist Andrew Conti is here to help us make sense of what could come next. wednesday october 19th i'm morgan moody and this is citycast pittsburgh another union problem at another newsroom citycast megan harris is with me
1: hi hello what's what's going on with the media outlets here in town (laughs) <laughs> we'll level set first. Uh, one newsroom is just trying to unionize. That'd be uh, a bunch of my former colleagues at Pittsburgh Community Broadcasting, um, aka WESA and WYEP. Um, but this is a much older crew of people, um, not by age, uh, by lineage. The Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh has been around for ages. They rep the Post-Gazette. Um, Andy Conti. Uh, when's the last time they had a contract? Because I've been in this town almost a decade and I feel like it's like almost never.
2: Yeah, it's been forever. I don't actually know exactly when I know they they all know exactly when because they've been working without a contract, but it's been years. And um, yeah, it's finally like coming to a head.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and for union workers, that's a very long time. Yeah, it feels like it's
1: been so tough.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. It's hard to judge from the outside. You know what it's like the the people who work at the post Gazette are very proud of the work that they do
0: as they should be. Absolutely.
2: Sometimes it feels like they put up with almost anything to go into work uh, because they love their job so much. And, you know, and from the, the publisher side, too, I would say it's this is not an easy time to put out a newspaper, right? Like nobody's like rolling in cash like we did in the, the 20th century. It's a very different situation now. And so um, <laughs> that's what makes this all so difficult. That That's what and with the, you know, the, the guilt going on strike or joining the strike, um, it just feels like it makes me sad for everybody involved because I don't think Nobody's going to win from this. It's going to hurt the employees, the the ones who go on strike and the ones who cross the picket line. It's going to hurt, hurt the publisher and it's going to hurt the public. We're all going to miss out. Well,
1: and I want to talk about that. But first, Morgan, I know you were actually out there yesterday. Um, This new arm of the strike officially started at noon. That's the addition of some of the writers, I guess, who were already withholding their bylines, some of them, but not all the writers and reporters are participating. So, you know, what did you see? Like, were people actively crossing the picket line? Like, could you tell or how many people were there? I don't know. What'd you hear? Yeah,
0: so, it, you know, I didn't see anyone actively crossing, you know, the picket line or anything like that. But it was a solid group of maybe like 15 to 20 people outside. Um, very loud, very proud. And, and they, you know, even got quite a few people driving past to honk and, and support. Hey,
3: Julie, what happens when we fight? We win! My name is Karen Carlin. I'm a copy editor with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.
4: My name is Alex McCann. I'm a digital news editor at the Post-Gazette. I've worked here for about three years. Darren Kelly, president, Allegheny County Labor Council.
3: We're trying to fight to get back to at least our old contract. Uh, two years ago, the company uh, illegally declared an impasse, saying that uh, negotiations were at a stalemate. Meanwhile, we were still negotiating. They weren't. And um, and then they just ignored the old contract that we were working under that had expired in 2017 and just imposed their own work rules and a new healthcare plan that we didn't negotiate a or worse, approve. A worse, a worse more worse expensive
4: healthcare, healthcare plan.
3: plan.
4: That was also packaged with wage cuts that were disguised as not being wage cuts. It was cuts to they people's can't vacation. Can't People can't like Karen who have worked can't here can't for a very can't long can't time sure. lost vacation time that they earned over the years. Um, With that said, we believe so strongly in our fight, we believe in our workers, and we believe that we will be able to get back to the bargaining table, that we will be able to win a fair contract. We wouldn't be out here doing this if we didn't believe that.
3: Nobody ever really wants to strike. It's the last resort. I mean, you're putting a lot at risk, you're putting a lot on the line. But there comes a time where you have to stand up for yourself. And if this is the only way that you can be heard, this is what you have to do.
4: These men and women have never stopped negotiating, have never said that they will stop negotiating. It is this company that continuously keeps putting roadblocks. They've stayed in solidarity for years, but the bottom line, this group will never stop negotiating. In the past five years, over 100 journalists have left the Post-Gazette. Some have chosen to retire, many of them early, earlier than they would have liked to. Um, others have chosen to look for other jobs, and still others have decided they were leaving journalism. Did you report the news fairly? Yes. Yes. Did you protect our democracy? Yes. Yes. Did you see to it that the free press was delivered for all of us? So we yes. can do our job. Yes.
1: That's like so powerful. Did you see anyone that you recognized?
0: Maybe. I didn't see anyone that I recognized, but there were a lot of people there that, you know, knew us and 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 knew uh, some of the journalists on our team. Um, so that's pretty flattering. Yeah. But, you know, also talked to a lot of people that worked on, uh, you know, the digital platform on the digital end of things. Um, and there was also, like I said, a ton of people from the, the unseen heroes, um, really, truly the unseen heroes of the, the digital platform. Um, also, Zach Tanner, the president of uh, Pittsburgh's Guild, was was down there leading, you know, leading the charge.
4: Um, I, I'll
0: just be blunt, not everybody is out here with us today, but uh, we held
4: about, I think, seven hours worth of meetings with everybody yesterday. We're continuing to talk to people. And just because people aren't out here today doesn't mean we're going to stop talking to them. We're going to keep hearing their concerns. We're going to listen to their questions. We're going to answer their questions. And, you know, hopefully by the time we win, we're going to win for everybody and everybody's going to be standing side by side.
1: Andy, what do you think that means for us, like the readers? You know, are, are bylines still important? Are we still going to get news? That's really important to us here at CityCast because the Post Gazette helps us out a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I mean, this changes things because up until this point, the, the first two weeks of the strike, you had the production people and the delivery people out on strike. But the Post Gazette only prints two days a week. And the owners had already signaled like they want to move to an all digital product. So it was like, well, if the reporters are going to continue to create content, then it's not really much of a strike. There's not much leverage because that's what the owners already wanted. So now it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if you look at the post-gazette's website in the, you know, the immediate aftermath of the strike started at noon, there's still lots of content on there. You wouldn't think that they were on strike. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The other part about the bylines, uh, I don't know that anybody really cares if people go on a byline strike, except the reporters, you know, they're, they're the ones that kind of miss out. You know, somebody over there did this big multi-day report on the Rooney family and,
1: I know, and there's no name the on it. And
2: mm-hmm. No name on it. Who knows? Who can say? But, you know, <laughs> it, maybe they didn't want their name on the story that out of the Roonies.
1: This is the one that's all about those FBI files. Yes, the Rooneys, the family that owns and founded the Steelers, apparently made their initial fortune by running rackets like gambling, slot machines, horse betting, even moving booze around during Prohibition. I mean, you know, so did the Kennedys. <laughs> it's a it's a grand lineage. Um yeah.
2: anyway. You you know where my allegiances lie on the, the Rooney family and the Steelers, so No,
1: I don't want to hear it. This is not about Renegade. Uh we will link to that episode where Andy gloats about something completely unrelated.
0: <laughs> it's a good one. It's a really good one. <laughs>
1: Uh, Morgan, what did Zach Tanner, uh, that's the president of the guild again, tell you about his relations with the owners of the paper, the block family? Because there's been some like nastiness over the years, seemed pretty cold to be honest. Um, he
0: said there really hadn't been a lot of communication between the family and the guild leading
1: up to the strike. Do you like to dance? everyone else there.
0: Hasn't there been I don't know like a a, a, a decent amount of uh, drama I guess kind of going on over there over the past like few years like a yelling episode a few years ago with the one guy Jr and, and his daughter in the newsroom
2: Yeah, there was that. There was the the issue with uh, Alexis Johnson tweet that uh you know where yeah she was she criticized
1: to, trash to at kenny chesney right. and then yeah by comparison mm. to what at that point was very little happening with black lives matter um protests in the wake of george floyd
2: right and i remember even before all that i remember there was uh john block was speaking at one of the hotels downtown and you know employees from the guild were out handing out flyers then that was pre covid i mean that's been years ago so these are not new this is not a new dispute. It's just coming to a head now. And, you know, and the interesting thing too, is that I think the, the employees were ready to go on strike a couple of years ago and their union said, you're not ready to go on strike, you know, the, the parent union. And now, um, you know, so now, it now it's all coming to a head.
1: Does that track with what Zach told
0: you, Morgan? Yeah. I mean, the relationship, yeah, it seems pretty cold. I mean, from what he said, uh, the Block family hadn't spoken with the Guild, you know, prior to the strike, like during any of these board meetings.
2: No, not
4: one word. No, we we nobody from the company outside of their attorneys came to the National Labor Relations Board hearing that that occurred over five sessions. Once the production workers went on strike, we didn't hear one word from management. Once our notice went out yesterday demanding our contract back and demanding that we go back to bargaining, we didn't hear from the company then. We don't hear from the company now. Uh, their
2: communication with us has been upsettingly zero. I mean, the, the company put out a statement saying that they, you know, presenting their side of the argument. So it's not fair to say they hadn't, haven't heard anything.
1: Can you summarize that for folks that haven't had that benefit?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line for... Basically what the company's message was um, when the strike started and then, you know, with this new thing with the Guild joining was the company's like, we're going to continue to put out a product and, you know, we welcome back the employees when they're ready to come back. So, you know, that might not be what the Guild wanted to hear, but they're, they did say something.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, that's interesting that they put something out, I guess.
0: I guess it's, yeah, it's not the same though as, as
1: talking to the union.
2: Um, I think, you know, the thing from my perspective is more like what, what does it mean for Pittsburghers? Um, you know, we're, we didn't, we do not we do not have enough reporters in the city now, right? Like there's not enough. We're we're so diminished from where we were when there were, you know, two really dominant newspapers in the city and many more journalists. I mean, now on the plus side, there are lots of options, right? There are lots of little news outlets that exist in the city that didn't exist before. Um, But it's still a very fragile ecosystem. And the piece that's missing is the, the, you know, the investigative account- uh, accountability journalism the uh, enterprise journalism the the things beyond uh, meetings and press releases and um, you know this is a time when we need to be adding more journalists into the mix not taking journalists out of the mix and so that's where we all stand to really lose i think
0: There are a lot of stories that still need to be told. And so, you know, I hope that journalism doesn't become this, you know, dying field. It's been something that I've gotten warnings about since, you know, I got into it going into (laughs) college.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have anything clever to say. This just makes me sad.
0: Yeah, that's the
2: frustrating part (laughs) of this, right? Like if nobody's there asking difficult questions of the people in power and sticking up for the people who need help, you know, comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable that we, you know, this banner that all. Journalists, you know, we, we throw around and we, we talk about and what are calling for doing this job. Um, but there are fewer people to do that work. And and now, if we talk about taking, you know, one of the major players off the board or a lot of the journalists at that place um, off the board, it, it's going to hurt the whole community.
1: Well, and I don't know if I'd say that this exactly hurt the community. I'll leave that to you. Um, But I'd love to talk about what happened the last time there was a major newspaper strike in Pittsburgh. I remember when I moved here, there was like all this lore around the Pittsburgh press and what it meant to people. And, of course, what was born from its ashes.
0: Yeah, you've talked about that. And what is it? How the how the trip got started?
1: I think so, yeah. Uh, Andy, educate me, but I, I know this is really like kind of before all our time. Um, but you and I definitely heard a ton of stories about this.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, so Megan and I worked at the Tribune Review, and the Pittsburgh Tribune Review was born out of the last big newspaper strike in the city in the early 90s and 1992. The Pittsburgh Press and the Post Gazette uh, went out on strike very much like what's happened today. Um, but the re- reaction was totally different. The city basically shut down then. Um, the PG actually ran a really great story on the 30th anniversary of the strike uh, earlier this year. And they talked about, you know, they were, you know, reporters were trying to send stories out by uh, fax machine, and, um, you know, you had people doing obituaries wow. on TV, and it was like, you know, people were <laughs> like, how are we going to find out what's going on? I mean, it's completely different now.
1: Where there's a reporter, there's a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right.
2: Um, but we heard those stories like, all the time. And it was clearly such a painful time for the people who lived through it. Um, that's why they talked about it all the time, because it just created so much havoc. And and that's, you know, what we're experiencing now, too. Like, we don't really know how this is going to end. We don't know where it's going to play out. Um, nobody would have guessed the last time that when the strike started that you were going to end up with one of the newspapers going away forever and a brand new newspaper coming into the city. And that's been the story that played out.
1: I just, I mean, I don't see like a billionaire, you know, quote unquote philanthropist, depending on your definition, um, coming in and starting a new news organization in town. Um, you know, no matter what happens to the Post-Gazette, um, are you afraid that this could have a similar effect that, you know, we could actually lose an organization like the PG?
2: I mean, what I'm hearing right now is that the the employees who are going on strike are planning to start their own online news outlet. So, what you know. Yeah. So will we end up with like another online news outlet in the city? Do we need another online news outlet? I don't know. What does it look like? Um, And, you know, and because of the way things are so different now, like anybody can be a publisher or a broadcaster. You don't need to own a printing press. You know, you can create a podcast from your bedroom and, uh, you know, put it out there for people to hear all around the world.
1: Or your closet in Morgan's case. (laughs) Or your closet. Right.
2: And, uh, you know, so – so why not? That's the thing that I think is has been uh, d- the disruption that has gone through our business has been so painful for the last 15 years. You know, we've watched our friends leave the business. We've watched news institutions that have been around for a century or longer disappear. We've seen misinformation and disinformation take over our communities but at the same time, like it's also super exciting. Like the work that you guys are doing, you're, you're creating something completely brand new and from scratch. And you wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years ago because the technology was out of reach. But now it's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's put good stories out there. And so that's what we're seeing happen across the board anyway. Like all these lots of little new news outlets cropping up. Some of them are very fragile, but people are trying things and doing things and experimenting with it. And that's what makes this time exciting. And I think... That probably will be one of the outgrowths of this moment with the strike, is that we're gonna see some things that we never would have imagined before.
0: Andy Conti is a media columnist for Next Pittsburgh and the executive director for Point Park University's Center for Media Innovation. Andy, thank you
2: so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing your take.
2: No, thanks for doing the strike.
0: Some more news before you go. Move Pittsburgh came out with a mid-pilot report assessing year one of a two-year goal to bring mobility as a service to Pittsburgh. It found that residents are making use of alternative transit modes like spin scooters and pogo bikes, but the advocacy group Pittsburghers for Public Transit say they still have a lot of issues, particularly around accessibility and affordability. The pilot runs through next July. And Mayor Ed Gainey is holding a series of meetings to get public feedback on his proposed budget for 2023. The first town hall is tonight at the homewood Brushton YMCA, and there are two more on the West End and the Hill later this month. Something though that caught my eye is Gainey's $800 million preliminary budget that includes funding for a bridge maintenance unit. I think, you know, I mean, at least me personally, I'd feel a lot safer if these bridges, you know, got some regular safety checks. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us love, subscribe to our morning newsletter, and honk if you see striking workers. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then.
2: It wasn't very funny. Not very uplifting today.
1: Well, it's not all, it can't always be. Not everything is renegade. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs>